fucks up everything. Ask yourself a question. Have you done anything this week? If the answer is yes, then you've accomplished more than the Blues front office. Blues fans are getting anxious as we await news, and with few distractions, the rumors and speculations swirl. We'll cover all the rumors that are fit to print today, and some that aren't. We'll also discuss the newest members of the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Blues' exciting prospect camp, and much, much more. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! No Cup Podcast. It is June 28th. It is Thursday. We are just days away from the official opening of the NHL UFA signing period, whereupon all the business of the league for this summer will finally be closed. Uh, we are coming to you from our... our it's dingy. It's dark. It's our studio in an abandoned storefront in the St. Louis Mills. I think it used to be an oh. Urban Outfitters, uh, but we will not be found in here for 40 years. <laughs> uh, Ian, how are you doing in this dingy and and dark and dank and other D words that mean disgusting? <laughs> um, do people still work at the St. Louis no. Mills? No. What do they call that place now? It, it is now the St. Louis Outlet Mall. Oh, that's <laughs> it's much more descriptive of what it truly is. Yes, but also much more depressing. Oh, yeah, it's much more depressing. As, as uh, we will detail in great detail later, uh, I sp- I've spent parts of all three days this week at the Prospect Camp and plan to spend part of tomorrow there. Uh, but on Wednesday, I spent most of the day there with Av's correspondent, Jordan. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... After the one of the sessions wrapped up, we just needed to stretch our legs from sitting on plastic bleachers. And so we ended up walking the entire mall around. Mm. And for one thing, it's ginormous. It was huge. And it was badly laid out from the start because it's just a big rectangle. Yeah. So, like, if you're over here, if you're on, like, the left side and you need to get to the right side, there's no going up or down. You're just like, okay. So I'll walk Gotta all the keep way around. Going. I mean, there is, like, a middle pathway, but you know what I'm saying. But, yeah. There are like four businesses in the entire place that are open, and every time you come across one of them, it's just the saddest thing because the lights aren't even all on. And they're like, there was a Ross dress for less there, and there was like a third of the store was just empty. It wasn't like there weren't like racks or anything. They were just mm-hmm. like, nope, this part's not being used. It was very strange. So it's like the Chesterfield Mall. Of outlet malls. Yeah, it's a step beyond that even, oh. but yeah, it's pretty bad. So dodged a bullet at Chesterfield Mall. That's <laughs> true. Uh, believe it or not, we're actually not focused on the St. Louis Mills Mall today, although maybe we should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are focused on all the blues news that it really hasn't happened yet, but you know. Speculative. We're going to speculate wildly. I, I don't know if I asked. How are you doing this evening? Oh, just terrible. Terrible? <laughs> Wonderful. The weather's terrible. It is. I'm it's frightening. Of it, no, it's really cool. But gonna be so hot, oh, yeah. so hot. Tomorrow is like a hundred degrees out, hundred, hundred percent. And we're getting ready for hockey news exactly. in a hundred degrees. Exactly. 
the hockey season never sleeps until July 2nd when it just goes into hibernation yeah. hardcore for two months. baby. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, this past week has been a busy one in the NHL. Obviously, we had the draft um, last Friday and Saturday, and then obviously for the Blues specifically, there's the prospect camp. I think most teams have some sort of mm-hmm. uh, prospect camp going on this week. But then, of course, there's a bunch of rumors and news. And for us personally, <coughs> excuse me, at Two Guys No Cup, it's been a busy week. We don't take a lot of time to pump our own tires on here. And Mm -hmm. so I'm sorry that we're doing it now. Uh, But we have gained like 50 new family members, not Twitter (laughs) followers, family members. Well, half Um, of them are family members of Hugh McGain. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, But, you know, the rest of you. Shout out to the McGain clan. Exactly. Uh, But for the rest of you, if you're new, uh, if you're checking us out for the first time, we're very happy you're here. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, If you found us through SoundCloud, links on uh, Twitter, if it's easier for you, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, too, and we'd love for you to do that. Uh, and leave us a review or whatever. Smash that like button. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also news on a personal front. Again, not trying to pump the own t- my own tires, but uh, I was brought on this week to be a writer at thehockeywriters.com, and I'm excited about that for a lot of reasons, but for us, most of all, I'm just excited because I am going to be writing at least a story a week about the blues, and I am excited to bring those to the mm. podcast. Not all the time. We won't get too tired, but it'll give me something, you know, I'll take a deep dive on something every week, and then yeah. we can talk about it on the podcast That's really when it's cool. appropriate. So I'm excited for that. And then finally, uh, after all the free agent madness wraps up on Monday, uh, we will be doing a bonus episode. I've, we currently kind of have it planned for Monday. It could be Tuesday, but one of those... Uh, first couple days of the week, we'll have a bonus episode, and then uh, we'll talk about summer schedule a little bit after that. So, uh, yeah, so thank you for bearing with our longer-than-normal introduction, as we're certain to have a longer-than-normal episode, but what is normal for this weird, weird <laughs> Roll the dice. that we drive? This could be a 30-minute episode, <laughs> folks. Be, could be an hour, could be seven, who knows? Uh, first thing we had to talk about, I guess, uh, is the NHL Hall of Fame Um the newest inductees to the Hall of Fame were announced this year, one of them pretty close to home. Uh, several of them um, kind of – one of them is a surprise, kind of comedic surprise. Uh, one of them is a long, 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 long overdue entrant. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just a couple of other <laughs> – Then the <laughs> that rest. That sounded so bad. <laughs> just the rest of them. So uh, in the founders section – or the builders section, excuse me, the – the Hockey Hall of Fame has kind of a, a wing for players and then a wing for the executive types and all that. Um, in the builder section, the uh, the incomparable, shall we say, Gary Bettman was nominated and elected this year as a Hockey Hall of Famer. Um, he's been the NHL commissioner since 1993. Uh, the league's grown from 24 to 31 teams on our, on his under his watch, and annual revenue has increased 90%. Um, if you want to like a fuller retrospective of Gary Bettman, we did when he had his 25th anniversary as commissioner this past year. We did a, a long look at kind of his tenure, um, 
I don't know the episode number for that off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I can try and look it up and tweet it out. But if you look for that, if you're interested in a lot of our takes on Gary Bettman, you can go back there. He's kind of the lovable enemy mm-hmm. of the NHL at this point. I like him. He like inc- he like cheers for his own booze and. You know, he's just, he's evil, but he knows it, and so it's kind of cool. Yeah, you're more versed in the wrestling world. Is he kind of like a heel? Mm. He is, but he's like a smarmy heel that, like, enjoys being a heel. Okay. He's like when The Rock was a heel and everybody loved him anyway because he was The Rock. Mm. Big nerd reference, but you know what I'm saying. Are you talking about Dwayne Johnson? Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yes. Skyscraper coming (laughs) out July. The biggest movie star in the world. Uh, Yeah, so he he embraces it and good for him. He said uh, he was quoted as saying, This is not something I was focused on, and I'm speechless and grateful to be included with this group. I'm particularly honored to be part of a class that includes Willie O'Ray. Um, Willie O'Ree, excuse me. We discussed that. I still got it wrong. <laughs> um, I, I legitimately think, I mean, jokes aside, and there are plenty to be made, and we will probably make them, uh, but I do legitimately think this was probably something of a surprise to him. The The Hockey Hall of Fame isn't like, a subsidiary of the NHL. I mean, I guess, I guess none of the Hall of Fames technically are, but the Hockey Hall of Fame has a little bit of a broader lens than even, like, the Baseball Hall yeah. of Fame, where it's, like, mostly MLB. You yeah, know? when you go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, there's a lot of international yeah. stuff in there as, where you're kind of like, whoa, I didn't even know they covered this, yeah. but it's hockey, period. As we will talk about. So, and look, you know, good and bad, and there's plenty of both. The guy's been commissioner of a league for 25 years, and that's pretty unheard of. Mm-hmm. So he's a Hall of Famer just by definition almost. He, he would have so. gotten in there... Anyways, yeah. it's just kind of weird that he's going it's in a in a year while he's, he's active. active. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. I saw some jokes about like when the store <laughs> yeah. manager nominates himself as employee of the month or something. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, no hard feelings against Gary Bettman getting into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. If a Hall of Fame is, as I kind of generally believe, a building to tell the history of a sport, uh, then Gary Bettman obviously has to be included. Uh, the bigger and you know more feel-good name on the list is the aforementioned Willie O'Ree, uh, who is the player who broke the NHL's color barrier in 1958. Uh, it's interesting that he went, he's gone in into the builders section, uh, but it is probably appropriate. He only actually played 45 games with the Bruins uh, over two seasons, and he tallied 14 points in that time, uh, despite being, as I learned today, 95% blind and his oh, right yeah. eye. So I didn't know that. They said he had to switch wings. They made him switch wings oh, because really? he, had, he couldn't see the Yeah, because he had to look over his left shoulder to oh, be able to see. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean... Or right shoulder. Yeah, the way. dude made a habit of over- overcoming a ber- adversity, I yeah, would say. Yeah. Uh, he retired in 1979, not from the NHL, but from the USHL and various different leagues. The WHL, the Western Hockey League, not the current one. Uh, but the one that merged with the NHL in the 70s, I think, right? Wasn't that 80s, the, something like that, well, yeah. Middle of it, yeah. Like Brock Gretzky and stuff. Yep. Um, 
he played for the San Diego Goals for a while, who are now an AHL team. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Anyway, uh, when he retired in 1979, he was, uh, since then, he has served as the NHL Director of Youth Development and an Ambassador for Diversity. Uh, he created the Hockey is for Everyone initiative, which oh, I think they cool. pushed especially hard this year. Um, I've seen it more this year, I, I should say. I don't feel like they've pushed it more this year necessarily. But, um, yeah, so he, I mean, he, he a, a billion percent deserves to be in here just for breaking the color barrier. Um, it's a little bit different from like a Jackie Robinson because, you know, and with all due respect, Jackie Robinson actually was a legendary caliber of player, mm-hmm. too, on top of breaking the color barrier. Uh, O'Ree was not at least in terms of, you know, his NHL production, but uh, he's, you know, an incredible voice for the game to this day. Still brings a lot of passion every time I see him interviewed or anything. Mm. Uh, He said, I was laughing and I was crying and I was at a loss for words. It's just been a great year this year. So, I I mean, nobody's going to fight this induction. (laughs) The The only complaint you could have, I suppose, is that it's taken this long. Um... I will talk about briefly the two kind of non-NHL players that were inducted, just because we'll kind of finish with the headliner, I guess, if that's the appropriate word. Um, From Russia, Alexander Yakashev. I'm probably butchering that, but who knows. Close enough. Uh, He was inducted. He won Olympic gold with the USSR in 1972 and 1976, and he led his country to seven IIHF World Championships, kind of to your point that they focus on not just NHL stuff, a lot of international stuff too. Uh, And then also to that point, Jaina Hefford, uh, who is a women's hockey player, won four gold medals in five appearances with Team Canada uh, from 2002 to 2014. She won a gold medal each of those Olympic years. And then I guess the Fifth one was 2018, maybe? Because I think I saw them talking about her being at Sochi, but maybe not. Either, obviously, either 2018 or 1998. Um, She had the medal winning goal in her first uh, gold medal win in 2002. Uh, She was the MVP of the National Women's Hockey League with the Brampton Thunder in 2007 and 2008 season. uh, And the current... Canadian Women's Hockey League, I assume, is what CWHL stands for. Uh, their most outstanding player award is named the Jana Hefford Trophy. So pretty cool. significant women's hockey player. I will admit uh, to my shame that women's hockey is a, a bit of a blind spot, but mm. it's a really f- amazing game to watch when you know I see it at the Olympics. So I'm everything I just read says she's incredibly deserving. <laughs> uh, and then the two... The two Martys, the NHL players that kind of headline this class, uh, one of them named St. Louis and one of them playing for St. Louis. St. Louis uh, legend. There's uh, Marty St. Louis, Martin St. Louis, uh, obviously the famous uh, Tampa Bay Lightning player, also played for the Flames and Rangers. Uh, he went undrafted despite a great career at the University of Vermont. He ultimately became a Stanley Cup champion. He's the Lightning franchise leader in assists with 588 and points with 953. And he is just the sixth NHL player to score over 1,000 points. Obviously, he scored some with the Flames and Rangers. That's why those two totals don't add up, uh, despite going undrafted. So no question Saint Louis deserves it. You have any more comments about him or his game or 
your fondest memories of Martin <laughs> San Louis, which I'm sure if you're like me is just growing up knowing that there was a really good player named St. Louis yeah, who wasn't I on St. Louis. hated that every I'd time wanting it. I saw like a headline with St. Louis oh, yeah. in it. When St. Louis, Saint the Louis Blues were bad. The game winner or whatever. Yeah, St. Louis Blues would be bad in 07, but they'd be like, St. Louis does yada yada. I'm like, cool. I'm like, oh, Martin St. <laughs> Louis. He's, I think he sort of, maybe not revolutionized the game, but he really proved that someone of his stature, I mean, what is he, like 5'8"? Yeah, he's, he's under 5'10". Can he's play a, that he's long? He's in that Huma Ging role. Yeah, mold, exactly. You know, of great small players. <laughs> <laughs> um but I always like I kind of like seeing smaller players because they're always it's just a different game for them. They have yeah. to be shifty. They have to sort of find a different way to play the game because you can't play in a straight line when you're small. Yeah, and I mean I you you want to attribute revolutionizing to everyone who is small, and mm-hmm. I know we said it about Korea too. Um, but yeah, I mean he I I honestly legitimately think he did, and and Korea and players of that. Of that period, you just didn't see really small guys like them succeeding at the NHL level until they did it. And mm-hmm. doubtlessly, the reason he was undrafted, despite being very good in college, was because of his size. I'm sure if he'd been 6'2 and put out the same numbers and shown the same skill set, he would have been, you know, at least a second or third yeah. round pick. I think as the NHL moved closer to being more of like an athletic sport, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, you kind of have 70s and 80s where guys are skating up, standing upright, and that's like, you know, they're smoking and during during or after games mm-hmm. or whatever and the whole bit. But as, like, through the 90s and the early 2000s, it sort of became a little more professional. Yeah. And people were really pushing their bodies to the limit. I think smaller players were able to find a role because, like, okay, I can outspeed a guy or something like yeah. that. I can outskill a guy. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I just think that's, you know, it, it's a very good description of it and i think you know even to this day the blues draft we saw guys like scott perunovich and mick not mitch frankie um what's his name human gang i'm sorry (laughs) uh who you know were openly passed over because of their size but even to that degree like there's a very difference between hey i fall fell from maybe a first round pick to like mid second because i'm smaller than your normal defenseman scott Mm -hmm. perunovich's story versus like hey i went undrafted and had to claw for everything i got yeah that's what's super impressive yeah so it has changed the opinion of those players and i don't think that there's that fear there and i mean the league is chock full of guys yeah. now tory krug um johnny goodrow lots of guys that are smaller that are really good mm-hmm. hockey players so and i'm guessing the lightning <laughs> just tory krug just, and johnny goodrow that, and that's all there is yeah i'm guessing lightning fans are a little over the fact that he was a little po'd and sort of did he ask to be traded yeah there was the some weirdness towards i think the it end. was the problem with eiserman who's the gm down in tampa bay not putting St. Louis on Team Canada for uh-huh. the Olympics, and he was not too happy in yeah. St. Louis about that, and so he requested a trade, and they sent him to the is Rangers. Is that the Callahan? Is that how Callahan yeah. got down there? He's yeah. still playing there. So I know. I'm always amazed. Win, win for the Lightning, honestly, I think. But so, but I think it's probably a little feel a little burned in the moment, but mm-hmm. it's past. I yeah. think as he's a Lightning player forever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I think the final kind of, you know, lock, stock, and barrel Hall of Famer uh, is our 
our very own, I say, with St. Louis Blues legend. With slight digs intended at the New Jersey Devils fans who, are they? who might be listening. Greg Wyshynski, we know you're listening. We're sorry. Um, but I'm yes, not. Of course. Uh, Blues assistant general manager and longtime goalkeeper, uh, Martin Brodeur. Was <laughs> uh, it weirder that when you said longtime assistant manager or uh, whatever, longtime goalkeeper, yeah, yeah, or the assistant manager part is the part that stuck out to me more? I was like, weird. wait, he's the assistant GM. <laughs> I knew he was, but when you say it, it sounds so weird. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that's understandable. Uh, Martin Roder. Obviously, no question here. It's arguably the greatest goaltender of all time. When you look at the numbers, it's not arguably. It just is. Most wins, you can right? talk about how the era... Oh, wait a minute, baby. Uh, yes, he has NHL records for most wins with 691, like seven of which were for the Blues. <laughs> Maybe seven. Probably three. three. Uh, most shutouts with 125, which I think one of which was with the Blues. That's all I wanted. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, most games played by a goalie. 1,266. Most saves, 28,928. And the most minutes played, I assume, of any hockey player ever, because no skater is going to keep up with a goaltender, with 74,438 minutes. Uh, So when you have five career records, just all to yourself, you're probably a Hall of Famer. Mm. Uh, Brodeur was all-rookie team in 94. He went to the All-Star Games nine times. Nine times? <laughs> nine times. He started uh, his career when we were four years old. Yes, he did. He did. Holy cow. Yes. Uh, he won the Calder Trophy that year as well in 94. Uh, he won four Vesna trophies, which seems weirdly low. Uh, he brought those home in 2003, 2004, 2007, and 2008. Uh, he had nine nominations for that trophy. He had three Hart Trophy nominations. I assume by nominations they mean three finalists. Yeah. Uh, I didn't read it. Uh, he won a he won the Jennings Trophy, which is the goalie who plays for the team with the lowest goals against five times. Uh, he was a three-time Stanley Cup champion. Never won a Conn Smythe because those went to Chloe Lemieux, Scott Stevens, and the one that was probably rightfully his that was stolen by Jean-Sebastien Jaguer, who, to his credit, did put the Anaheim Ducks entirely on his back <laughs> to carry them as a dead corpse to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, and then kind of ran out of gas. And I think Jaguar had some kind of personal tragedy with, like, his mother going on at the time, so nobody was taking the Conn Smythe away from him. Uh, But one of the very few times the Conn Smythe has gone to someone who didn't win a Stanley Cup, and I'm sure it is not much comfort to J.S. Jaguar now, (laughs) Uh, but in any case... It's a thorn in Marty's side. I'm sure it is. And then, of course, the most uh, prestigious achievement of Martin Brodeur's career, he did win the 1996 ESPY Award for Outstanding Performance Under Pressure, which I'm sure he has on the highest shelf in his trophy cabinet. His most treasured possession. He said, you play your whole career, and you don't expect to get this phone call, but when it does, it definitely does feel pretty good, <laughs> which at moving what, past the broken English for a while, for a second there, at what point is this just total BS? I was going to say, what part in his career do you start expecting like, this right. call? You do, it's not like at this point he was like, no, nah, I'm probably still not making the yeah. <laughs> He goes, me? Oh. Marty Verder, my life takes me lots of places. <laughs> but the Hall of Fame, why I never... <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Martin Brodeur, obviously Dynamite Hall of Famer. Um, Not to pour water on him, but is he a... He's a very, very, very good goalie. Is he a fake is Hall he, of Famer? Is he terrible? No, is he like a Brett Favre type where, like, Brett Favre's thrown for, like, what, the most touchdowns? Yes, he is that. He is that for he, sure. He has the most losses, too? I don't know about most losses. But it's, like, but up there then, obviously. Some of those records are certainly just... Because he, he played forever. everyone and played okay. everyone. Yeah. I don't mean... I mean, it's still impressive. It's very impressive. I was just always curious. I thought maybe in all your record talk there that maybe he would he would have close to the most losses. Probably not, because those Devils teams are really good. Yeah. But... Just by yeah, virtue of him playing so long. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, certainly there's some of that involved, uh, but he was also winning, you know, Vesna trophies back to back, 14 mm-hmm. years into his career. So it's not like he was. I mean, it's good when he played for us. Oh yeah, he was he fine, fine. So <laughs> he looked fine in his last years. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty he darn looked, good. He was he was out of hockey, and we signed him in like the middle of the season as a free agent. Mm. He made some fun and saves for us. And he was fun. He was great. I mean, he was he was literally, he was totally exactly what we needed. I think, like, Halak got hurt, mm-hmm. and Elliot, maybe maybe they both were, like, kind of banged up, and we brought him in. And he was fine for, like, two weeks. We paid him bonuses on every win, and he made, like, 50000 extra dollars out of that. Um, a couple of candidates who might be um, eligible next year. Oh, I forgot to mention with Martin Brodeur, one of the weirdest, weirdly coolest compliments. Co- accomplishments of his career is that he stick handled the puck so well that they changed the rules because of him that little trapezoid behind the ice where goalies aren't allowed to play the puck that's there because of martin brodor so that's pretty cool um yeah i mean he was just a legendary kind of stick handler like a sixth defenseman on defense had three goals in his career which i think may be a goalie record as well but um yeah i mean he's 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 obviously incredibly great. Um, so some candidates for next year. Brad Richards will be uh, eligible for the first time. He had 932 points in uh, 1,100 games, a little over 1,100. Um, he won the Stanley Cup in 2004 and in 2015. Uh, he won a Lady Bing, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see him getting in eventually, but not necessarily right away. Um, Patrick Eliash is also first year eligible. Uh, he had, um, 1025 points in 1240 games. He was on two of the Devils Stanley cup championship teams. Uh, he's 13th in the NHL during his career and 14th in points per game. Uh, he was a Calder finalist. Um, also a great player. Uh, don't know if he's quite Hall of Fame. Like both of those guys are like real borderline. Uh, Vinny LeCavalier was a first overall pick. He played twelve hundred and twelve games, uh, and he finished with nine hundred and forty nine points. Um, also, maybe kind of a kind of a right on the fringes sort of guy. Mm-hmm. All three of those um, other people that could be go in that aren't are Jeremy Roenick is still not in. Uh, Dan Boyle will make his first uh, entrant into the. Uh, possibility into the running uh, this year. Sergey Gonchar will enter his second year. He's a lock to go in at some point. He won five, uh, or he was top four for the Norris 
four times that but didn't win one, but I think he's probably a lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergey Zubov is a name that a lot of people continually discuss. Wow, uh, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, though. exactly. Um, they were in Dallas live for a Puck Soup episode recently, and they debated it because Wachinski's kind of against it. But he's sort of, I think Zuboff is sort of a metric darling and is getting a lot of push to kind of become a next Hall of Fame player. And then one of the big ones outstanding that uh, I think will almost certainly get in is Daniel Alfredson. He's just the face of the Ottawa yeah, franchise. Yeah, Mr. And, Senator. And you can't, like, those guys just go in eventually. Yeah, I mean, he give, had give 15, up. he had 100, and, he had 1,157 points in his career, so it was no slouch either. Give Ottawa something to be happy about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come they need on. a win. Uh, <laughs> a couple of Blues outstanding guys. I think, you know, Keith Kachuk is still out there and eligible. He's probably He's in the right US on that borderline, too, as well, of, of you know, not quite good enough. Yeah. Chris Pronger, I guess, isn't eligible yet. I think he'll probably go in for sure. Um, is it what's the diff? You have to be three years retired or something like that, or what is it? I can't remember what the. Well, when did Patrick Elias, Brad Richards, and Vinny LeCavalier retire? Yeah, I think I three know. years. I think yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hockey Hall of Fame is not as hyped as some of the other ones, but it's interesting to see people go in and try to keep. <laughs> In yeah. mind who might belong there. What are you? Oh, I was, what are you laughing about, Chuckles? <laughs> I thought about Verdur, and I was like, "You have to be three years retired." And I'm like, "It's been more than three. And I was like, "Oh, wait a second. No, it hasn't." <laughs> wow. That's to say, he's had a long career, Martin Verdur. Sure has, has. Uh, especially with that little tail tap type tacked on to the end. I cannot speak to that. You mean that little bit of a career he had in New Jersey? Just that small little time he was in New Jersey and all those long years, stored years in St. Louis. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, so that's the Hall of Fame. Let's talk about NHL qualifying offers, particularly with the Blues. Uh, The Blues had 11 RFA-eligible players this year and extended qualifying offers to nine. I'm making those numbers off off the top of my head. That's close. I know there were only... I know there were two that didn't get them, but... Eight, eight. There's ten, and they ten just and eight. eight. I yeah. was pretty close, was people. Pretty close. <laughs> so uh, you want to walk us through who did and did not get offers? Yeah, the Blues had extended qualifying offers this past week to the following RFAs. Jordan Schmaltz. Shocker. Joel Edmondson. Hugely shocker. <laughs> Pateri Lindbaum. <laughs> I for, kind of forgot was here. Robbie Fabry. Pick me up off the floor. <laughs> yeah. Dimitri Yaskin. Incredible. Oscar Sundquist. That's a surprise. My biggest surprise, Bo Bennett. I didn't know he was an RFA. How did we get him? We got him last year. Did we just sign him under the like any compensation for an RFA, or did they not? Oh, I see what you're saying. I guess. Did they? We didn't trade for him. But if they didn't qualify him, wouldn't you not be in a UFA? Here's the fun part: where two guys no cup debates. A thing in hockey that we know nothing about. We should know. This is something we'll he, look up and find out. He had to have been an RFA. My guess is he was an RFA. Yeah. We paid him a contract under the threshold for giving up any sort of compensation. I think if you pay less than seven hundred and fifty grand, mm-hmm. you don't have to compensate the other team. And I assume the Devils, not the Penguins, the Devils, were not at all oh, interested yep. in call. matching that offer. And so we got him as an RFA. No, That's my best guess. And then Mackenzie McKechrin. Mackenzie <laughs> McKechrin. Um, MCM, as we like to call him, yeah. even though it's MMC. 
Yeah. Mac Mac, as we like to or call him. Or you could call him Mackitrin, but that's not right. Yes. So the two names missing from that are Justin Selman and Tommy Vanelli. Yes. Justin Selman. The sad, sad story of Tommy Vanelli. Yeah. Justin Selman, real quick, not that big of a deal. Um, Blues signed him as a free agent back in March of 2016. Played the last two seasons in the AHL and ECHL. Forward. No real big loss. Um, Tommy Vanelli is the bigger one because we drafted him back in the first round of 2013. I think, I forget, 23rd or something like that. I did not realize he was a first rounder. I thought he was a second rounder too. But lo and behold, he was a first rounder. 2013, we didn't give up that first round that year. Amazing. Spectacular. <laughs> that must have been like between Bowmeister and Miller probably. Now here's a little thing that would have been nice. He's a right-handed defenseman. Those don't grow on trees, people. Those are things that the Blues need, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit too bad. Um, Benelli was sidelined for the vast majority of his first professional season in the AHL back in 15-16 due to a concussion. Uh, Vanelli never seemed to fully bounce back from that injury when it came to his play on the ice. Couple that with the Blues having plenty of defensive help from other players that were passing Benelli on the depth chart, and you have the reason why the Blues were not qualifying him for this season. It's too bad. I think he had, you know... A decent ceiling, had some potential there. I was never overly in love with the pick. I'm never overly in love with defenseman picks in the first round just because they take longer. It's not because it's necessarily a bad pick. They just don't wow you as a fan. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wondered where he went for the longest time. I really just did I think... Him- as I'm not trying to no. correct you. I have him as a second round pick. Oh, really? Seventh in 2013. Well, that's good to know that we did not waste a first-rounder on this guy. Poor Tommy Vanelli. We did miss out on Dylan Hetherington, though, four picks later. So. We were not putting that name yeah, on the back Tyler of the jersey. jersey. William Carrier, who we drafted. Zach Sanford, we could have gotten. We could have just skipped the middleman. Talk about being passed on Let's the depth name chart. every person <laughs> drafted after Tommy Vanelli. I really didn't know about his injury all that much. I thought he just got passed on the depth chart, but there you go. Um Left left to fend for himself, I guess. Jake Tommy Vanelli selected in the third round that year. You blew it, Doug. You blew it. Dear Doug and Bill Armstrong, <laughs> you two are the worst. And I don't know why we keep you around. Jake Gensel, two-time cup winner, Jake Gensel. Yep. <sighs> this franchise is a tire fire. <laughs> Pavel Buchnevich on. We could have had Pavel Buchnevich. <laughs> Spin Andre Ghetto, Oliver Bjorkstrand, just tons of talent. You you took a piss on Oliver <laughs> Armstrong. Okay, my bad. So, so I totally derailed us. No, what I was going to say mm. was that um, players that are qualified or RFAs that are offered a qualifying offer, the whole deal is that this offer grants them a bare minimum of their same salary from last year. That's not if they um, sign on to the qualifying offer you say that's okay. They're not necessarily signing on for that amount of money. That's just the bare minimum that they'll be given as their payment for the next year. Then normally this allows the club to then negotiate with said player on a new contract down the line. If the player decides that they don't like this qualifying offer, then the next step is arbitration. So... You probably won't see that for many of these people. I think they all accepted the offer. I think you can still go to arbitration later, though, if you don't agree to your your terms for your new contract. Say Joel Edmondson thinks he needs to be making $4 million, and the Blues say $3 million, and they don't agree by, I want to say, sometime in August. 
they go to an arbitration hearing and yeah. the judge goes, you're getting down the middle for, I think, a year or the maybe two years. Top part. I think it can be one or the other. I think okay. I think both sides file for how many years they want. Okay. And then the judge decides between the two. Okay. So there you In go. In my shallow understanding of hockey. We're really testing our n- hockey are. knowledge we're, today. We need, to, we need to bone up on the handbook on free agency. I'll no, tell I you. say we just freewheel it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's do that. That's um, what this podcast is known for. Speaking of freewheeling, uh, the NHL, the St. Louis Blues prospect camp has been this weekend, unless you wanted to discuss something else before we get to that. Uh, the, <laughs> the Blues have been running their yearly prospect camp uh, at the erstwhile St. Louis Mills uh, Tuesday through Friday this week, which means you can still catch it tomorrow and should. I'll be there. Say hi. Uh, but, um, yeah, I've gone all three days this week for parts. I work kind of in the area, so I'm a couple of days I just got out in time to see some of the scrimmage, but then Wednesday I took a longer kind of trip out there and saw most of the stuff they did. Um, and And I've got... A lot of thoughts, most of which are just kind of jumbled, and if you want to ask about any names I don't cover or make comments, feel free to join in because they're not in any particular order. Um, It's hard, man. It's hard to make observations, even when you're just two feet from the game, about a game that moves that fast with players who's like, you can't always get a read on their jerseys or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and you don't have the benefit of replay or announcing. It's difficult, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's hard to do even in an NHL game. I'll forget that Kyle Brodziak did something, that shift. Yeah, 100%. So... Um, the teams, we should talk about the players who were there. There's a team Kachuk and a team McKinnis, neither of whom I think actually coached their teams. There were a lot of coaches whose faces I maybe recognized, but whose names I did not know there. Steve Ott? He was there, yeah, but he okay. was in the he was in the bleachers most of the time. Oh, he's a higher up these days. He is, yeah, exactly. I think these were like the scrub coaches <laughs> nobody talks to that were actually coaching these guys. Uh, Team Kachuk consisted of, in alphabetical order, Ty Amante, who is an undrafted free agent from 2016 draft class, Anton Anderson, who was a seventh-round pick last year, Trenton Bork, who was a sixth-round pick last year, both of whom were defensemen. Evan Fitzpatrick, who was a second-round pick in 2016 and is the Blues' probably second most promising goalie prospect, maybe even as promising as Huso, but just farther Whoa. out. I mean, I think, you know, just with how slowly goalies develop, hmm. he's just a few years That's behind. a warm take. It's warm. Um, he's pretty promising, though. Uh, Grant Frederick, who is undrafted and is locally born and is just a, a body. He's just a camp body. I'm sorry, Grant. I hope you make the team and are an NHL legend. And I know you listen. But, hey, they're paying you. You know, I don't think Grant Frederick listens to this podcast. I don't think they're paying him that I, much. Probably not. <laughs> but they got to pay him something to get torpedoed by the Alex or by uh, Torpchenko, the torpedo. Alex Torpedo Torpchenko. There you go. Um, where was I? Tanner Kaspic, fourth round, 2016. Clem Coaston, you all know, first round last year. Nikolai Craig Christensen. None of this just calling him Craig stuff, Blues. He's Craig Christensen to mm. us. He was a seventh round pick in 2016 and played for Team Denmark at the IIHF yeah. World Juniors. A weird team. Um, Matthias Laferriere, the sixth round pick from this past 
last weekend's draft. David Noel, a fifth-round pick from a year ago. Scott Perunovich, who was a second-round pick this year. Austin Pagansky, fourth-round pick 2014, the old-timer in camp, but just signed as a college uh, out of college this past year to his entry-level contract. Uh, Austin Royshoff is another local body. Alexei Torpchenko, who was a fourth-round t- pick last year out of Russia. And Robert Thomas was scheduled to be part of Team T. Kachuk until he was announced to be sitting out the camp with a minor leg injury, which I think is really, Robert, you don't have anything to gain from this, so don't bother. Did you see the leg injury? I did not. Did you? No, I'm just. I'm it wasn't just during camp. Oh, no, I know that okay. it was during OHL playoffs, yeah. whatever, but I, you never know. You Maybe never... it's broken. Maybe it's shattered in three places. I don't know. Or is he being held out for something else? It better not be. We'll who's, get to who's that to later. Say? Who's to say? Uh, Doug Armstrong's to say, and his blood will be on his hands. <laughs> uh, Team McKinnis consisted of first round pick from this past year, Dominic the Deutschland Dangler Bach who I will never call that again. Josh (laughs) Dunn, another undrafted local. Eric Foley, the third-round pick from 2015 that we got from Winnipeg as part of the Paul Stasny trade. Philip Heltz, a seventh-round pick in 2016, who also played at the World Juniors, I believe, for some equally uninspiring small country team, maybe Switzerland. Slovakia. Slovakia, something, I don't know. Jordan Cairo, some scrub out of the second round in 2016. Michael Davies, another their undrafted local Joel Hofer, the goaltender we drafted in the fourth round 2018. Hugh McGing, who stole a fifth round pick in the NHL drafts and our hearts at Prospect <laughs> Camp this weekend. Luke Opikulka, whose name I will never be comfortable <laughs> pronouncing as a fifth round pick from 2015. Mitch Reinke, who was undrafted but signed his entry level contract out of college this past uh, year in spring. Uh, Nolan Stevens, a fifth round pick out of in 2016, son of Los Angeles Kings head coach John Stevens. John Stevens? Yeah, that's John boring Stevens. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Thomas, uh, an undrafted um, San Antonio Rampage roster player who was put on the ice, I think, primarily to confuse those of us who might have shown up to the camp after work, Jared, and not heard that Robert Thomas wasn't playing. Thanks, Jared, for having Robert Thomas's last name. Robert Thomas looks terrible out there. <laughs> Actually, what's really weird is that Jared Thomas looked kind of good from the parts I saw. With the better Thomas. Yes, that's how it will go down in history. And then Tyler Tucker rounds out Team McKinnis, a seventh-round pick from this past season. So, my thoughts are... Standouts for you. ...jumbled. I'll get to standouts in a second a couple of thoughts about the things at large i think uh for one thing this is really fun it's really cool um i know it's kind of a smaller venue i know it's kind of out of the way but like it's really i know a lot of these teams have their camps at their you know at their various stadiums and maybe that's because they draw more people but you got to deal with parking and all that and it's a pain in the butt and sometimes it's at night this is just you just walk into the mills and it's right there and you just get to chill in the mills with these guys it's really fun uh i did not expect to enjoy it as much as i have but it's just been a ton of fun to be there um 
pretty good fan support. I was, I'm surprised by how many people there were. When I got there today, I was pretty late because they'd moved the scrimmage up and I hadn't heard, but it was packed. Uh, it's gotten bigger and bigger towards the end of the week, so I'm guessing tomorrow may be really full because it's Friday. Um, lots of people with notebooks and laptops and things taking notes, probably probably fellow Twitter sphere community type people. All y'all. Love all y'all. Uh, <laughs> you know, all y'all. All y'all. Uh, it it's it was weird. It was disorienting to just like kind of sit and chill and watch hockey there when like Doug Armstrong's like fifty feet from me and there like I could just yell, Hey Doug, and he'd like hear me. That was kind of disorienting. And hockey hall of famer Martin Brodeur and all these like Steve Ott, you know, Keith Kachuk all up in that corner, other faces I recognized but couldn't name. Uh that was pretty fun. Um and yeah, as we already mentioned, the Mills is a ghost town. Uh, but you're not here to hear about the camp itself. You're here to hear about players. So let's start with the very best. Jordan Cairo is an absolute head and shoulders above anyone else in this camp, and it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> uh, he's just fast, confident. He's skilled. He's got hands like silk. He's a creative passer. Uh, there's a video on Twitter from our account, uh, a seven-second video of him giving a backdoor feed to Tyler Tucker to win the game in overtime today, the scrimmage game in overtime. Uh, he said to uh, Luke Korak of NHL.com, he said, the last couple of years I just came, I just came to camp uh, to learn to get to meet everybody and to go back to junior. This year is different. This year is I'm trying to make the team. Uh, and he looks like it. He looks like a player who's fighting for something. You know, he's, he's not resting on his laurels. I mean, he it's not like he doesn't know how well-regarded a prospect he is, but he's not just coming in kind of doing nothing and just kind of, you know, skating through camp, no mm-hmm. pun intended. Um, Korak also said, Cairo and Foley were skating together on day one. Cairo has got the wheels. He definitely has a quick motor, some slick hands, and a quick stick. He also seems to have some swagger on the ice, which I kind of enjoy. Uh, just seems confident out there. Maybe that's because he's playing with children, little baby children, and he's the adult, but who knows. Uh, just a lot to love with Jordan Cairo. I'm more hyped on him somehow than I was before uh, because I feel like, you know, with him, the point totals are all there, but you don't really see it necessarily, and it's not, you know, we need points, obviously, but it's not like Robert Thomas where it's like, this might be the center you've always mm. needed St. Louis but uh yeah with with Cairo it's I'm just I'm fully fully hyped now uh Scott Perunovic I didn't get to see a lot of him I think he maybe got a mild injury on day one and missed some of the later days uh, but I, what I saw of him he was the second round pick this year you can really see um when they talk about his hockey IQ you can see a lot uh, of what they're talking about. The dude's confident on the puck, and he makes really nice passes. Uh, he finds his teammates really well. He made a really nice cross-ice pass, kind of entering the zone on the first play. I saw him take the puck, and he looked really good. Uh, he played with um, Austin Royshoff, who's one of the local players, as his kind of as his kind of defensive pairing mate. And Royshoff, I don't know what the dude eats, but he's just a giant. He's probably, I mean, he's probably Colton Pareko's size. He's huge. And so I almost think it was like intentionally meant to be funny how big <laughs> the difference was between these two guys. Cause do we know we, how tall Perunovic is? I think five, eight or I five, say, nine, that's what I maybe read. five, I nine, five, eight. Yeah. But yeah, but not tall. Under your point. average male height. 
So yeah, 100%. Uh, which is something I say a lot. Uh, Eric Foley. Hundy. <laughs> Eric Foley looks really good, despite the fact that for whatever reason, the first day I was there, there was a guy behind me who was like, he wasn't really heckling because he wasn't saying things loud enough for the fan, for the players to hear him most of the time. But he was just like making comments about what he did and didn't like. And the dude did not like Eric Foley. Uh, but Foley made him swallow his words a little bit with a play later on, which was nice. Uh, but, um, Luke Korak tweeted, impressive first day for Eric Foley. Big, strong, quick, nice hands. Doesn't hesitate to shoot the one-timer. Lots to like. Uh, he also said, Eric Foley said he likes to play like Evander Kane. Play from down low along the boards on out. Wants to play a power forward game, which is something we really need. Uh, I think he's a left-handed shot, so mm-hmm. way to screw that up, Eric. <laughs> but other than that, great stuff. What do you think about David Backus comparisons I've heard people say uh, uh, early? Think, but Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't... It's hard to measure a guy's heart, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that was not to be too sappy, but a lot of what David Backus brings is just fire and will to compete. But yeah, I mean, the the, the play style is really similar, mm-hmm. really physical, kind of demanding of the puck, gets in the dirty areas. Those are the areas you want to be you in. Wanna be, Coaches you, love you, the dirty you, areas. You get, you want to score goals, you go to the front of the net. I've always said, me and Yuri Laterra have always said, um... Yeah, I mean, he's got a really nice shot, too. Uh, something pretty noticeable about him. Not as accurate as he'd like it to be yet, but that maybe is something that works with time or, you know, maybe part of its nerves. But he'll fire it off with abandon, which, honestly, the Blues need more of. Mm-hmm. So uh, he had one, he had actually a play, I think, uh, it was either him. It might have been. It might have been uh, our boy McGing. But one of the two had a play very, very similar to that one Tage Thompson had this year, where he got he like circled the zone three times and took the same oh, one timer. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a play they made. So um, yeah, I mean, just a lot to like about he's, Foley. He's a guy I feel like I'm going to be looking at real closely over the course of this year in the AHL. I think he's probably going to be a full AHL or you know not really a call up, but I think he's someone that could probably. I don't know, work really well in the HL and then possibly be here next year, maybe, you yeah. know, as a call up at least at that point. I mean, I think Foley Foley to me He's got an NHL body. From what I've seen, and not counting this year's guy cause guys because it's earlier it's too early to tell. I would say Foley and not counting Huso, I guess. So lot lots of <laughs> lots of lots of uh qualifiers. But I would say Foley is the guy I would put in terms of overall potential, closest behind Tage Thompson. Like, so the next guy behind the big four mm-hmm. to me is probably Eric Foley. Okay. Um, and some of that's what I've seen this week. You know, some of it's what I've read. Uh, but you just have a lot to like there. And he just seems like a great player, so I'm excited for him. Uh, Quim Coaston didn't, you know, I mean, I liked him. I liked what I saw. He didn't kind of dominate everything the way Jordan Cairo did, but I don't know that that's necessarily expected yet. Um, He was here last year. Uh, and oh, sorry, I'm reading Lou Korak's tweet. He says, "Remembering Quim Costin here last year and looking at him now, definitely a bigger, stronger-looking skater." And I think that you know that was kind of the the story on him is that he'd need time to adjust and bulk up and mm-hmm. and get used to the American game. And I don't think that period has ended yet. I expect to see him spend most, if not all, of the season in the AHL. Um, but you know. He was drafted kind of like Dominic Bach. 
Um, maybe not quite the same, but he was drafted as a guy where, you know, they knew probably the, the, the transition period was going to be longer. Uh, he was a farther off prospect, but they hoped that the reward once he got here would be really high. Uh, and I think he's definitely taking the right steps yeah. there. Uh, I didn't see a lot of Matthias Laferriere, the the fifth or sixth round pick from this year, uh, but Jr. said he's shown some skill this week. The six one hundred and seventy five pound eighteen year old had twelve goals and forty one points in sixty seven games with Cape Breton of the QMJHL. Um, Dominic Bach looked really good. I really I like liked it. what I, I saw. I like hearing that. Uh, he was really fast. He looks really confident. He and Cairo played three-on-three lines together, and it was just preposterous. I mean, it was just, you know, men among boys is the cliche. But then, you know, they're playing some of the – half of the other team is just like randos they <laughs> brought in from St. <laughs> Louis. St. And Louis these guys kid. are just skating laps around them. I mean, there's nothing they can do. Uh, the one thing that really jumped out to me about Bach is he's got a lot bigger frame than I kind of thought. Um, I, I guess I kind of put him in the mold of like a smaller guy. Yeah. Um, but he's got some, I mean, he's got some frame there. He's still pretty scrawny. He needs to put on some bulk. Uh, but but you can't build the, you know, you can't grow the frame once it's there. So he's got the important part. Um, the the other thing that really stuck out to me is he he looked relentless on the four check. There was a play where he was just chasing like two different guys back in his own zone. And again, you know, Austin Royshoff may have been one of them, and he's a local, you know, undrafted kid. But still, uh, the heart is there, and he didn't take it off just because it was a whatever prospect camp game. You like to see that because it's not something that you can necessarily coach into somebody you know if, yeah. they're, if they're bringing that initially that's something to build upon and is really good yeah exactly uh and cory Promen, the uh the the prospects expert for the athletic praised his pickpocketing skills in his article about him and i think that that really shined through he's just really he's really good in the offensive zone and for a player who maybe one of the knock on him knocks on him is you know he's not necessarily a defensive he might be a defensive liability. He's not necessarily a defensive stalwart. Having that ability is is very helpful, you know, because mm-hmm. it makes up for some of that. Um, and and one one other thing I noticed with him is that he looked like he was a little annoyed one time when Kairou was like trying to play the man and make a billion deeks instead of dumping it off to him. And I kind of like that because you know you could see a guy like that coming in and and thinking, well, Kairou's the big stud at this tournament. I'm not gonna like you know. Steel give him thunder. any heat or anything yeah. and and he, he looked i mean he didn't like get in Kyrie's face or anything but he looked a little miffed about it and i kind of appreciated that honestly um so yeah he stood out tyler tucker is big and physical he was a seventh round pick so you never know uh but bill armstrong talked about his compete level and was really excited about drafting him and you saw it i mean he made physical plays i read he skates slow as molasses uh, i didn't see that but i didn't necessarily look for Tyler Tucker highlights, so I totally believe You probably didn't see him move very much. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's fair. (laughs) Most of, I will say most of the work I noticed Tyler Tucker doing was in regions of the ice where it didn't require a lot of movement, so. (laughs) That's fair. um, Nolan Stevens, I liked. He looked good and confident, and he had a couple of good finishes and had nice hands. Um, Alexei Toropchenko, really like my boy i know you've got some comments on him we'll get to in, in just a second uh 
but he looks really great. He's strong. He's physical. There was one play where he got kind of trapped against the boards and he sort of U-turned out of there and, and broke away from two defenders and got a shot off. Um, didn't score in that particular instance, but I mean, man, he, he really created an opportunity for himself from nothing. And he was the guy we drafted in the four, fourth round last year, uh, who was kind of a guy that fell because of the Russian fear, you know, mm-hmm. and, and scare. man, if he is at all what he looks like, he could be a real steal down there. Uh, and then finally, the player I have to talk about, it's become a bit of a joke now, but I'm, I'm very but he's serious. No joke. I'm very serious about how much humiging 100,000% stood out to me at this tournament. And I, he's noticeable on the ice because he's a, he's a very small person. And that's fine. Some mm. people just are smaller. Hey, that's he's fine, like, Hugh. He's like uh, 5'8", 170, so not big. Um, and uh, Lou Korak said he's a slippery skater, all 5'8", 170 pounds of him, finding himself in the slot a few times in prime scoring areas. And I think what really stood out to me watching him is he, you know, the speed, the, the knock on speed or the knock on size is like, well, if you're small, you can't, fight into spaces Mm -hmm. uh you you know you have to kind of use your speed and skill and he has a lot of speed and skill but like he found himself in the aforementioned dirty areas a lot and i think with him what it is is hey i'm not big enough to push through you but i'm small enough to fit between you and around you and everything else and maybe that doesn't play at an nhl level where there's five bodies on the ice and and they're physical and you know Josh Morrissey will just throw an elbow at you if you try and get in the crease. Uh, you know, it's hard to project. Obviously, there's a reason he fell to the fifth round. But, man, I, I really love that part of his game. He was really relentless. Um, Sarah George, who uh, writes the Girl Behind the Glass column at bluesrants.com, had a nice piece on McGing, uh, which we'll tweet out. She said, uh, McGing is extremely driven. Uh, anyone who plays with a broken hand with only pain meds and prayers is tougher than nails. He apparently had a broken hand for like the last four or five weeks of the season this year and just played through it. Um, he's got a pair of smooth hands that can fake out the opposing D. He's very speci- spatially aware of where his teammates are and where the puck is. Hockey sense is something he has in spades. If you want a guy who is going to put himself in the exact right place at the right time or will create a space to work in to make something happen, that's McGing, very good playmaker. This also comforted me because I didn't want to believe I was just making these observations <laughs> up and everybody else was like, this guy's a nobody. You know, I really really liked him and maybe it's nothing who knows it'll take a while for him to develop but you know we talk about with these drafts if you hit on any guy after like the third round and even if your third round guy's really good that's like a grand slam home Mm -hmm. run in the nhl draft so if this guy even contribute you know even if he's like a vladimir savoka that's a smash hit that's Mm -hmm. that's a triple you know it's amazing i'd say if he puts on a blues jersey for more than half a season yeah exactly right if he if he plays seasons plural in the nhl yeah exactly uh so i really liked him i've talked a lot because i was there but do you have any questions or i know you have some other comments you wanted to talk about Uh, i just read a few things on HF boards, great, great, uh, great website. Go there, sponsored. You know, not really, but they're, <laughs> they're fantastic. Uh, there's a few they users. They paid that, us lots of money to yeah, say this. They pay us in Bitcoin and Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, 
the two universal currencies mm. of our generation. I'll cost me a tub, baby. <laughs> Let's credit to the users uh, Blanick and BluesFan3109. They both looked like they wrote a lot and were there. You were probably there amongst them. You can just yell out their screen names when you're there tomorrow. <laughs> See if someone like gives you a weird look. How the hell does he know my name? Mm. Um, I more wanted to talk about just a few players that they wrote a lot about. It sounded like Torpchenko really stood out to both these guys. Said he was super torqued up, Chenko, because yeah. he's got us torqued. Oh up. yeah, I'm fully torqued for Torpchenko. <laughs> I'm fully torped for Torpchenko. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where it goes off the rails. Um, super impressive skater for a big, I think, 6'3 player. Skates like the wind, solid hands. It looks like he's constantly competing in all three zones. One board battles all day. Uh, I saw, compared to like a bull in a china shop, just skates in a straight line right at the goal, constantly in front of the net for rebounds and everything. That just sounds like that's the sort of work ethic you got to have, mm-hmm. along with any skill you have, to make it in the NHL. You never know with these players... I'm very interested. I don't know. He played junior last year. I don't know if he will play in the AHL this year. I'm just going to guess and say probably. I don't know his age, but maybe. If he is in the AHL, I'm really interested to see what he does because I think he he does fairly well in his first year. That could be a possible guy to just look at for next year. I think we have a lot of forwards besides Thomas and Kyrou that are kind of guys that if they just perform well enough in the AHL could definitely compete for some lower spots on this team, which we can talk about later, kind of frees up money for different things in the Blues future. Um, Torovchenko is a good one. Prunovich, some people said, looked really good, even though you know he's small out there, but for a defenseman, closes gaps really quickly and has a really active stick, a very... um, not to compare him exactly, but very um, Duncan Keith-like in the sense that he's, he's got to have so an active... he is Duncan Keith. He is. He's real smooth. Oh. Real smooth. Oh, God. <laughs> I walked... I just walked right into I'm so that. sorry, Stephen. I'm so it sorry. It was like there was like a barn, right? And you'd taken the barn and you painted Stephen walk into this. And I just <laughs> and did he it. said, sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but that's good. To, I Like we talked about with... Um, Martin St. Louis, it's nice to see smaller players, especially for defensemen of all things, be effective or at least look effective enough. It seems like he has enough compete again that it's not a player that you can just write off. I think he might be closer than anyone on the defensive side for us making it. Maybe a Jake Wallman. But like those two, for a guy we just drafted, that's pretty good. I mean, I know he got passed over into other drafts. As I said... Not impossible to me that he plays some this year. Yeah. Not likely, necessarily, but not impossible. Again, a, kind of a reach, but like Jared Spurgeon's a player that's being talked about being traded to an even better team from Minnesota, possibly Toronto. Mm-hmm. They want him. I think he's all of like four foot two or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so you can succeed. It just takes more effort. Right. And, and again, if you get a, a Jared Spurgeon or even like, 75% yeah. of a Jared Spurgeon out of a second round pick. I'm sure Spurgeon himself wasn't a first round pick, but that, I mean, exactly. I'm sure he to, wasn't. You just have to, you know, kind of adjust your expectations accordingly. Mm. Not all draft picks are going to hit. Any team that did that would be all the champions, you know, but like, 
You only need a couple Jake Gensels out of the third round to be a really good team. <laughs> Just so. a couple Jake Gensels. Um, I think I'm most... But hopefully with much more appealing names. Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel. Gensel scores. Uh, I hate it. It's terrible. I think the players I'm most looking forward to sort of keeping up with this year, probably Bach, Foley, uh, Toropchenko, McKing, and... Um, Prunovich, just because they're names of guys that I think have a possibility to be on this team in the future. I can see it. I can kind of feel it. You know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm not a scout. It's just something where it's like, I feel like they have the skill set and they've talked about hockey IQ enough that any sort of detractor they have can be worked on mm-hmm. or can be kind of looked over depending on what role it is they're playing with the Blues. And I think, yeah, I agree with all that. I didn't mean to discredit any of that before I just blew into my next point. <laughs> uh, but I think there are other guys, too. Nolan Stevens comes to mm-hmm. mind, Mitch Reinke, as guys who might maybe are even kind of past that and might just be bottom-line contributors in the NHL this year. Mm-hmm. Because f- with both of those guys, you know, with due respect to them, I don't think there's a ceiling for, you know, Nolan Stevens, I think, could be like a third-line player maybe at his best. But, yeah. like... There's not a you don't have to groom them for a long time. They're as ready as they're gonna be to be like a fourth or third line contributor or like a third pairing True. defenseman or seventh defenseman. Um, so yeah, I mean I think those are there are still some names in this system uh, that are just are players who you can like expect to see in the NHL even if their impact is not felt at a huge level. And I think that's one of the things. That's really compelling about this franchise's prospects as as we're transitioning to kind of our bigger general topic for the rest of the episode. Um, if if you're okay making that transition, is I think this this franchise has a really good like a high quality prospect pool in mm-hmm. terms of you know the top is as good. I mean, honestly, think it's as good as any other team in the NHL, particularly as far as teams that haven't been actively rebuilding go. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't have Casey Middlestat and Rasmus Dahlin one and two, or two two and one, but we also haven't sucked for a decade, <laughs> you know, so with with no offense meant to the, to the Sabres, but, like, we haven't been going through the same struggles as some of those teams, you know, some of the the Canadian teams that have a lot, a a load of prospects, you know? And so I think that's really impressive, but I also think it's really deep and there's just, you know, and, and again, it, it drops off significantly. I was, I was telling somebody today, I think there's a, there's a distinct drop off after Cairo. Mm -hmm. I think there's another distinct drop off after Thompson. And I think there's arguably a distinct drop off between Thomas and Cairo. Uh, but like, and yeah, there is a distinct drop off, but there are a bunch of people that could be NHL contributors, and that's nice to have. Mm-hmm. There have been periods where the Blues didn't have, but two or three guys who might someday be an NHL contributor. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, if if you're wonks like us, it's exciting just to mm-hmm. to kind of follow those names and sort of salivate about what might be. But if you're not into just really, you know, digging into this stuff, which is not judgment 
it means you probably have a life. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if that's not your thing, you can just kind of rest assured that the Blues have A, tons of prospects for the future, and B, tons of pieces that might be appealing to other teams uh, in trades, potentially. And I think there was one other thing I wanted to say, uh, but I don't remember what it's it is gone. at the moment. Uh, so kind of the bigger topic, and I think it does kind of transition out of this, that we wanted to just kind of... I think I think it's very kind of flexible how we'll answer this question, uh, but with with free agency looming, this is almost a second part of a different episode. But <laughs> uh, but like I think the the right question to ask because I think it's at the core of so many of the disagreements we've seen and and participated in on Twitter this week <laughs> uh, is just kind of answering the question: What is this team right now? Right, mm-hmm. so. You know, I think there there are kind of three or four phases that a team can be in in a broader sense. There's a top contender phase, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, Penguins, Predators, Jets, maybe Capitals, maybe Vegas Knights, which is silly because, yes, they were both just in the final, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, there's contender but ascending, you know, which maybe is more of a Jets where it's like they're really good, but they're not a top. Con- Although I think the Jets have crossed that line. But, you know, good teams that are trying to become great teams. Mm. There's contender descending, which is like maybe a Kings, you know, who were really good and are now kind of trying to get back, go yeah. up the mountain. And then there are just teams that are rebuilding, you know. And I, I think that the, the fear is the and that's that's I just came up with that on the top of my head so it's not an exact science but like I think the fear is if you put a team in a wrong category in that kind of general spectrum and you um miscategorize them and then base your moves off miscategorizing them that is a very easy and dangerous way to get yourself out of the category you want to be in and miss contender Altogether, you mm-hmm. know, and so I think with the Blues, you can look at it as a team that's still rebuilding from, you know, the height of its cycle, which was the Brower backish year uh, three years ago with the Sharks Ugh. in the semifinals. The height. Yeah, as, as high as the heights get for the Blues. Good Lord. And then, or, or you can look at it as a team uh, that is rebuilding, getting there, improving, but not ready to make immediate impact moves if necessary. You know, with a grain of salt, you want immediate impact moves, but don't mortgage the future for it, I guess, Um, which I think is more where our mindset is at. Uh, So with all of that kind of just blurted out there where would you like to go with this conversation i think there's a fifth option there's a fifth i think the fifth option is is where the blues are as you can be old and jaded and say that this team is awful Mm. and this franchise is awful yeah and nothing we do will ever work but we have to win today we have to win next season because i'm tired of waiting so long that's not a real category that's what I'm feeling. Um, and, and I think, I, I do think there's a lot of that in the Blues fan base. And I understand it. I really rightfully do. Rightfully so. And, you know, we're in our 20s, late 20s, but in our 20s. Jesus. <laughs> 
mid middle late late mid twenties. Has uh, that does that any it's better? It's sadder that you're scrubbing <laughs> it this much. But but we I mean we've been through plenty of blue suffering, but fans that have been there for the whole ride. You know mm-hmm. if you're fifty mid mid late forties, you can believably tell yourself you've been a blues fan the whole time, you know, even if it's not exactly chronologically true. And you've got to be tired of watching Mm. it. I I get that. I totally get that. But it's not a justification to do stupid things. But turn off your old fandom brain (laughs) and try and look at this realistically, which is what I think is this team is more than just a piece or even two pieces away from being like a true cup contender. We're probably maybe a piece or something away from being like a strong playoff team. But I think we're more than, let's say, and we'll talk about it some, a Ryan O'Reilly away from being Who a we'll cup contender. But let's we need we need more than that. Yes. We need Go more ahead. than that. And I think we're in a position like we talked about, we've got a lot of prospects that look to be either minor impact NHL players at, you know, sort of worstish, or at best to be possibly franchise sort of players on a, on a light scale. And I think with having those things in the system, both of those, a myriad of range in between there, it's worth looking at this team and thinking, hey, maybe we kind of stick with what we have. You can supplement it some through a trade here and there or a UFA signing, but there's no reason to swing for the fences now because the rest of the team isn't quite there. If we just had one spot, if somehow we were just one number one center away, somehow we have an amazing goalie and an amazing left and right wing on the first line and second line looks good and all the way down and it's just that one center then I say you go for it. But that is not what we're missing. What's on the market isn't necessarily a first-line center, and what we have has potential to kind of boost us that high in prospects to anyways. So that's where I sit. I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode where Doug Armstrong, I would hope, goes out and does some supplemental moves to kind of keep this team afloat, push it to be... Please, it's going to be better than that last year. Needs to make the playoffs. Needs to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. And totally can because you have a Jaden Schwartz and a Vladimir Tarasenko and Alex Petrangelo and a Braden Shen. I mean, those are, that's a fine team. Right. You just need other things there to kind of keep us moving forward. That's what I look for. I look for a little bit of a little bit of progress. I'm not looking for a home run where if we're not in the Stanley Cup final, I'm done as a fan right it's not me at all and there are levels of moves too i think so so let me talk about and i don't it's not fun to dwell on the team's problem but just let's just be realistic about some of this team's issues as they stand right now we have a we don't have a bottom three lines we have a top line Mm. and we have a bunch of people <laughs> and that's got n- the other with nine. No, that's n- with no disrespect to anyone down there. There are some some great hands and some not so great hands in that group. But you've got a collection of guys: Dmitry Yaskin, Robbie Fabry, Alex Steen, Ivan Barvish. I can't even name them all. Zach Sanford, Kyle Brodziak. If you bring him back, Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson is in there somewhere, I guess. If mm-hmm. they can decide I mean. to play him. 
Um, other people I'm sure I haven't named, like a mm. number of other people, Sunquists. Uh, we haven't even mentioned yet Nikita Sashnikov signed a one-year extension, mm. which I'm excited about. I like Sashnikov a lot. Robert but Thomas hopefully making the Robert team. Thomas probably, but like, yeah. I, and I think Robert Thomas is, uh, I don't want to say a mortal lock, but I, I don't think it's looking at him as someone who's trying to make the team. Mm. I think he is someone who has to get himself off the yeah. team if he's going it's, to be off of it. It's the thing I kind of forget myself where I'll think, well, Robert Thomas doesn't might not make the Blues, but if he doesn't, he's on his junior team. Yeah. Thus, he has to make the right. Blues. And that's the thing. I, t- I talked to some Blues fans this week, and he cannot be in the AHL. I don't think the AHL does him any particular good anyway, yeah. but he can't he be can't because even play of his there. age. And so... Juniors just he a waste. can't go back to juniors. Yeah. That's just literally wasting a year of the man's I'll, life. I'll say this before I freak out when they may or may not do this with him. I think he's a future center. He's going to be a center for this team. If the if the spot so happens to just be that they have to throw him on right wing or something, I would still you rather. Your I'm so mouth. sorry, but I would still rather that obviously than him be the center in the, on his junior team. I guess team. so. Yeah, I think I said the opposite on Twitter this week, but it's probably true. You're I don't think right. he'll be that, but if you never know. Yeah. Basically, I just want to see him on the roster, getting right. experience, that's NHL true. experience. So, but yeah, I mean that's just to illustrate we don't have a bottom three lines. We don't have a goalie that we can trust to not go to the dark place for two months (laughs) in the year and just have a total mental breakdown at some point during the season. And again, I don't mean to crap on Jake Allen. I really like Jake Allen. I think the ceiling is theoretically there, but we can't rely on the dude. And, and there was a, there was an interview with Kevin Weeks uh, today on one on one ESPN. And the guys kind of like, for some reason compared Jake Allen to Brayden Holtby and said they (laughs) right (laughs) and said they had a similar career trajectory until this year. And and Kevin (laughs) Kevin Weeks, to his eternal credit, very politely just ignored that and just danced to the next part of the question, you know? Cool question. But like (laughs) but like he was talking about, and I, and I don't think he was just pumping the tires. He was talking about how all the physical tools for Allen are there, yeah. and he has to get the mental game in check. But here's the thing. Some people don't get the mental game in check. Billy Bean never learned to hit the curveball. All the physical tools were there. Sorry, weird money ball risk reference, but it's the first one that came to mind. All the physical tools Deal were there. He was still the player that got drafted in the first round, but he never hit the curveball. And so he, he was drummed out of baseball and would never be heard from again. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't yeah. always materialize. Well, that's always been the book on him is that he's super athletic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say that's it, but that's it. Right. And well, and that's the temptation. And, and it's a question we still need to answer this offseason. And, and folks, I do not think it's answered. That's what I mean. To my point, if you want to progress with this team, you can't progress with like a big fat question mark. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. You, so here's the thing. He does it again this season. It's done. He's over. I mean, it's over. <laughs> I mean, he will still be an NHL goalie, but then you cannot here. ever plan around him ever again. I don't know if you can trade him to anyone. Uh, it's just D-U-N done. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, but and the thing is, so do you make a, dis- a ballsy decision, which is what I kind of want, with uh, <laughs> if you're Doug Armstrong and say, hey, if anybody will trade for Jake Allen in this league, I'll trade him and I'll sign Robin Lanier or 
whatever X goalie. Maybe you get back in on Carter Hutton. I don't care. You know, you sign a goalie mm-hmm. and you say, you're our starter. We'll sign a one-year backup to compete with Huso to be your backup. And then we'll groom Huso for two years. You know, you sign Lanier for two years or three years or whatever. And you groom that guy for the future. Again, that's not popular. I get that that's not win now, but is it a better move for the franchise? It might be. And also, you might not have to watch a stretch of three weeks of games that are just unwinnable because it's 5 nothing before the first period mm-hmm. ends. Um, we have a very good defensive core still, I think, but I think it's mismatched. I think we, I, in my opinion, we have two first-pairing right-handed defensemen and two second-pairing left-handed defensemen. Mm-hmm. And I really like all four. I, th- I think Joel Edmondson's great, but I don't really think of him as a first-pairing defenseman, ideally. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think uh, Vince Dunn is great, but I don't know that he's ever going to be defensively responsible to, enough to be first-pairing. There is a lot of Kevin Shattenkirk in his game. And, and not he probably doesn't have the the massive just like you know blow a tire type plays Kevin Shattenkirk routinely mm-hmm. screwed up in him but you know yeah he's not the he's not defense first man. yeah Colton Pareko I know we all love him but he's being wasted as a second pairing defenseman on this team who especially as one who's supposed to have offensive upside that he refused to <laughs> refuses to show so they're just problems I don't want to dwell on it too long but there are lots of problems you have to the team needs an identity, for one thing. Its identity can't be that we've got Vladimir Tarasenko on it and he's pretty good. Like, that's <laughs> not a team identity. I'm sorry. The Penguins' team identity, as good as Sidney Crosby is, isn't just the team that has Sidney Crosby. You know? Mm-hmm. They have com- Evgeny Malkin. Right. Com- <laughs> well, but exactly. Compare and yeah. contrast that with Edmonton, who is the team that has Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. One of those teams didn't make the playoffs last year, and one of them was a shocking second-round exit. <laughs> and I'll let you at home figure out which was which. You know? I mean, the Penguins have become the Penguins. Yeah. And yes, a big part of being the Penguins is having Sidney Crosby, but it's not the whole package, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I just... So you need an identity. You need a goaltender that you can trust. I don't think it's as important to have a goaltender who is great as it is a goaltender who's not just going to give away games. Mm-hmm. Corey Crawford. I really like Corey Crawford. He's not a goaltender that is great. You know, he's not a top five or eight goaltender in the league in terms of natural raw skill set. Yeah, he's just steady. But he's just steady. He's not going to give away games. And, and in the season that he won there, that's what Antti Niemi was. You know, he he was just steady. He's not going to give away games. Braden Holpe is better than those guys, but he's still not necessarily a Bobrovsky or, you know, a, a um, Vasilevsky in terms of, like, oh, top-tier talent. Mm-hmm. But he's just steady. You know, he does what he needs to do. Jake Allen's not steady. So that's problem number one. You can't win if you don't have a goalie. But I think the bigger problem that we're kind of just sort of ignoring, and let's 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 pivot to the Ryan O'Reilly conversation. Okay. I really, really like Ryan O'Reilly. I wrote an article for the Hockey Writers. We, we sent it out on Twitter. You can check it out. It's a, a fairly lengthy art, article detailing why I think Ryan O'Reilly would be a great fit for this team. And he's certainly probably the best option at center that's going to be moved this year besides John Tavares, who might not move. And 
certainly isn't coming here at this point. Uh, as we discussed, watch is over. As we discussed on the bonus episode, you can go back and listen to that Dead if you haven't. bury it. So Ryan O'Reilly is available, and he's he's really good, and he's controlled for a long time, and his number's really good. It's $7.5 million. We paid Paul Stastny $7 million a year four years ago when the salary cap was a lot lower than it currently is. So there's no concern with Ryan O'Reilly's contract at all. Plus, it takes him to like 31 or 2. It yep. doesn't even take him that old. All of that is love about Ryan O'Reilly. But he's not a franchise number one centerman. He's really good, but he's not that, and neither is Braden Shen. And I, I, I think there's this tendency to say, well, they could play on a first line. Mm-hmm. They could, and yes, both of those guys could be the best center of a pretty good team, but that doesn't make them a franchise center. Um, and and I just I, I love Ryan O'Reilly, and I want us to get Ryan O'Reilly. But if the cost of acquiring Ryan O'Reilly is Robert Thomas, it's a total non-starter. It's just a non. Starter, because I saw someone tweet, and again, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. I've rip them. There have been a lot of hot takes this this week, and God knows we've made some of them. But somebody tweeted, "Well, Rhino Robert Thomas is stealing. Probably is Ryan O'Reilly. So why don't we just get Ryan O'Reilly now?" And that's silly to me because there's no indication that Robert Thomas is stealing as Ryan O'Reilly. Go ahead. You've got oh, so, something oh, to say. So that point, oh, you want to derail me? You want to get a word in every 15 oh, no. minutes or so? To that point, Luke Horak uh, interviewed Tim Taylor, the Blues Director of Player Development. And an excellent tool man. Oh, yeah. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Uh, you, whatever. I'm glad you did it because <laughs> I could not do that. Um, and this is what Taylor had to say on Thomas. It's kind of... It makes me think uh, Taylor was interviewed in French and then it was translated <laughs> because it's kind of weird sounding. Classic Frenchman name, like Tim Taylor. So I'll try my best, but uh, no comparison to Sidney Crosby in the aspect on the ice, but he's got that kind of body structure as Sidney Crosby. Really heavy downloaded on the bottom side, real big legs, and plays exactly that with his style of play. Which, real quick, we, we retweeted a picture of him today mm-hmm. just standing in the locker room in shorts. Dude has quads like dynamite. I mean, the things are tree trunks. Oh, they're huge. So, and teenager, by the way. Just just to be clear, he's 19 years old. So please go on. <laughs> a lot of skating. A lot I, of I hold- love checking out 19-year-old quads, you know. So. You didn't have to dig yourself into that hole. <laughs> but you're going to do it. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's the guy who plays 10 years in the league, but one of the guys, young, he's not like one of the guys who's played 10 years in the league, but he's one of those guys, the new age of hockey player, where really legs are the real strong and torsos are real strong, not to throw names out there, but we believe he's like a Jonathan Taves for our team, a Patrice Bergeron, a guy that can go out and do everything. Right now, we don't want to put the pressure on him. We just want him to be the player that he is, but I think that we believe he has those leadership qualities. His structure on the ice is impeccable. His two-way game, his two-way face-offs were really good this year. We have high expectations for him, and he has them in himself, too. Those are names that... You know what Patrice Bergeron and Jonathan Taves have both done? What's that? Won Stanley Cups. And I'm not saying it's one for one, but you know what Ryan O'Reilly certainly has not done? Won a Stanley Cup. I don't know that he's ever been on a winning team. I think Colorado was probably decent some of the time he was okay. there, but like 
he's spent most of his career on pretty bad teams. And if Robert Thomas is even, you know, half of either, any of these players, that's if, great. If Robert Thomas is 50% of Patrice Bergeron, I'll tell you, give it to me. And that's and that's the thing I think, you know, and with with some of the doomsters in the trade scenario, I think there are some people that look at Robert Thomas as a total unknown commodity. He's just a prospect. And to me, that's very foolish because I think the tendency there is to think, sure, Robert Thomas might be this great number one center, but he also might be a total nobody that we never hear about again, just like Ty Ratty, which is, with Blues fans, is a very easy comparison to make because there was a lot of hype about Ty Ratty, and he never became anything except... Even this year, he was Connor McDavid's line mate on the power play for a period of time. Yeah. Which shows you the level of chances you get when you're that level of prospect. Niall Yakupov got on, didn't get tendered by the Colorado Avalanche. I'm pretty confident Niall Yakupov will play for an NHL team again next year if he wants to, if he doesn't want to go to Russia. Yeah. But with the Tyratty comparisons though Tyratty had some hype around him but I don't think he right. ever had this much hype and I'm going to yeah. say he never had this much internal hype uh-huh. when you get Bill Armstrong quotes or people going you know he put up a lot of points at every point in his you know young career thus far that's all stuff that I mean I don't want to say it's it is it's stuff they say because they drafted the guy and I'm not saying that he didn't do this but you're going to highlight the highlights. We're going to talk about the good stuff. You're not going to mm-hmm. go, well, Ty Reddy's just awful skater. Bill Armstrong's never going to say, yeah, right. Because then even, like, let's say you want to trade him. Yeah. Buy trade value. People yeah. find these things. And Ty Reddy did score a lot in those leagues. You know, that's fine. That's a fine thing to say because he did do all that stuff in the WHL. But there was never there was never a comparison, even of, you know, a same sentence use as, like, a Patrice Bergeron or something. I'm just saying that... There's a lot of hype internally for this guy. Right. Stuff and, that's not just fans talking about him. And the point I wanted to make that I sidetracked myself on is like this the floor isn't nothing with mm-hmm. Robert Thomas. The floor is probably very reliable, pretty valuable third line center. Think like uh like a Derek Brassard on the Penguins right mm-hmm. now, or like a um who's the guy Carl Hagelin? He's not a center, but who's the guy that went to the Benino Nick Benino, yeah. like that level of guy? That's the floor on this dude. And granted, if 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 his ceiling was Nick Benino, if his ceiling was that, then I'd trade him for Ryan O'Reilly, sure. But that's the floor. Mm-hmm. That's like worst case scenario, which means unlikely. I, you can't, and again, it goes back to the bigger original point is like, if Ryan O'Reilly was the piece we needed to win a Stanley Cup this year, mm-hmm. I would hate to do it, but I'd say fine. Yeah, you see why Robert it's Thomas. needed. If Ryan O'Reilly comes here, who the hell is he centering? I mean, ask yourself that question. And if your answer is Vladimir Tarasenko and Jaden Schwartz, then who the hell is Braden Shin centering? There aren't players. Well, that's a whole other ball of wax. It's old, dusty. No offense, but I don't know. I don't know what's left in the tank, and maybe he resurges, but maybe he's done. Alex Steen, and it's similar story from a different aspect of the career. Robbie Fabry. Mm-hmm. Those are your hypothetical. That's your second, second line. line. That's not good enough. Like for one thing, if you get Ryan O'Reilly, you have to make other moves, which. I'm all in favor of making other moves, but like it would be an embarrassment to bring him in 
and not get like a Jeff Skinner or somebody for him to mm. for him to center. You know, that would be an embarrassment. And I've seen lots of folks who are kind of saying, you know, well, Ryan, uh, you know, uh, Robert Thomas is unproven commodity. But Ryan O'Reilly has had 60 points in his years in Buffalo, and he'll definitely have more in St. Louis. And I don't get that logic either, because it's like, why is the one thing totally unpredictable and the other thing we can mm. just count on? You know, it's just... And I, here's the thing. I, every time I do this, I want to check myself, because I would love us to get Ryan O'Reilly. If we get Ryan O'Reilly for Tage Thompson and a first-round pick and, like, Vladimir Savoka yeah, or even Jake Wallman, Wallman, I'll be the first one that is over the moon about it. But it can't be Robert Thomas. And, pivoting a little bit, I don't think it should be Jordan Cairo. Yeah. I really think if you have to give up one of those dudes in a deal, don't make the deal. I real At this point, I think they are both too good, too yeah. long-term. They are both absolute top six potential. And Robert Thomas is, is top nine this year top six in the next two years and Cairo is top nine within two years and top six within three years kind of potential. They're the closest duo to like a Schwartz and a Tarasenko we've had since then. Right. It's And our, I think Robert Thomas is a higher prospect than either of those guys ever were. I really do. I know. Oh, really? I know. Oh, really? I think he's a higher prospect than Tarasenko was personally in ter- because of the position he plays. A hot take. Because people are saying the same, they're, they're saying he has the same level of impact possibility and he's a center. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, to me, it's the same as like, well, you know, you can have a really good prospect at wide receiver and an equally good prospect at quarterback and you're talking about the quarterback more. You know, it's that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, and Vladimir Tarasenko is amazing. No disrespect to him. Another thing I want to want to kind of push back against, though, and this isn't like a criticism because I get the kind of fear, especially right now when we're saying, well, St. Louis can't lure any of these free agents here with, you know, the Tavares failing. But I've seen a couple different people say kind of like, well, the window is closing because Alex Petrangelo's contract runs out in two years. Tarasenko's contract is only so long. I... I have no concern about either of those guys leaving St. Louis. I'm not saying mm. it can't happen, but Alex Petrangelo is the captain of this team. He is he married a St. Louis girl. He had his wedding at Washington University, I think. I don't think <laughs> the guy has any incentive. I mean, the only way I think Alex Petrangelo leaves is if we just, like an Albert Pujols situation... We just give him some bogus offer, you know. If if the Cardinals had offered money anywhere in the neighborhood of what any other team had offered for Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols would not have left St. Louis. We gave him like half the offer, and that's I know that's a different sport. But the point is, people that are entrenched as franchise players mm-hmm. in your community don't want to leave. Look at John Tavares. The Islanders don't have an arena. They haven't done anything until the past month to try and keep him. And the Islanders are still the odds on favorite to keep him. It's there. I, I, I have no fear with Petrangelo. I would say Petrangelo, I think stays no matter what. I think the, depends on what state this team's in for Tarasenko to stay. I really do. I, I do. I do. Don't I really disagree with that because I think he's 
very public. We talked about feeling like I know what you're saying. Yeah, I feel it in me that like it depends on where this team sits. Maybe I mean here's the thing. Maybe it does, but to me, in three years or whenever his negotiations yeah. start, that's when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are going to be all cylinders go. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so build the team. Then if you if if your primary concern is keeping Ver- Vladimir Tarasenko, don't build a team for this year. Build a team to be really sexy and appealing to him in three years. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm not as worried about him whether he stays released because there's five whole years on this dude's contract left. Then why are we even talking about it? That's what I'm it? saying. Well, I don't know if anyone's brought that up. I know they brought up Petrangelo's because he's got two more years. He's got this year and next right. year. I've I've seen people talk about Tarasenko though, and also. I oh. think he. I think he stays. I think he's more of a risk to leave. That's, Let's put that's it that fair. way. Definitely more of a risk than Petrangelo because I, I think you would have to force Petrangelo. Petrangelo is like that classic blues Canadian boy where it's just I don't, like yeah, he likes it here. He likes that it's quieter, which you could describe this as Tarasenko too. But like you said, he married a St. Louis girl. I just. He's a quiet he's leader. In the community. I, he's friends he's, with all the the higher ups. Yeah, he's, he's here to stay. He's absolutely the kind of person, of athlete that stays in St. Louis for the rest of their life. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, he'll just be part of the organization forever, and that's great. I'm he'll not take like, Al McKenna's like, job, the whole. Shtick. Yeah, exactly, and and yeah, you're right that there's more risk with Tarasenko. I, I don't should think admit, there's it's a not lot that of risk, much, but but and I will say this with no disrespect to Vladimir Tarasenko, it's been proven that. Tarasenko alone isn't enough to build a franchise, a franchise winner around. That's what I mean. He's an extraordinarily gifted player. I'm not insulting him. But people were saying that about Alexander Ovechkin until this past year, you know? That's the thing. In five years, but still hasn't been a cup, and we just haven't really made it any further or whatever, I don't know if I'm that heartbroken. Does that make sense? I'm glad he was here. I'm glad he did great. He'll always be a St. Louis Blues, you know, legend, great player. But if it just hasn't happened by then, I don't know if I'm saying we got to, you know, spend the $13 million on them or whatever, you know, the amount is like, well, it's kind of an Albert Pujols situation. I go, eh, that's a lot of money. Here's the nightmare scenario then. Oh, no. Five years, (laughs) Vladimir Tarasenko's contract is up, right? Uh Five years, Ryan O'Reilly's contract is up, right? Yeah. Oh, and they both leave. If if the team's not good enough to keep one of them that point, it might not be good enough to keep either of them. And then it's a franchise restart, you know? Because at that point, Petrangelo's 32 or 3 or whatever, too. Then we got to trade our Eric Carlson. <laughs> right. I mean, but you see what I'm saying. I'm, yeah, yeah. We've been a lot of doomsday. I didn't really mean to be. But, like, the, to me, I guess my overall point is this is not the time to mortgage the future. No, 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 no. There are... There are deals, and I should say, there are hypothetical deals you could convince me to trade Robert Thomas in. And it's not just for Connor McDavid, but it is for extended John Tavares, extended Tyler Sagan, mm-hmm. extended, I'm not even sure, Artemi Panarin, but maybe extended, or Leon Dreisaitl, Mark Scheifele. Mm. The, there are probably moved. 20 people, tops, in the league that I would consider yeah. moving Robert Thomas for. Well, it makes sense. You don't want to remove Robert Thomas. The people you would trade Robert Thomas for are people that generally aren't going to get moved. Right, exactly. Yeah. But 
Jordan Cairo, maybe that list is like 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. It, I mean, it grows. It, it definitely grows. If, I think if you had to give up Jordan Cairo and not much else to get Ryan O'Reilly, I might even do that. But if you're talking Jordan Cairo and a first-round pick and something else, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not entertaining that. That's why I, That was my highest bid I would give for O'Reilly, and I'd still kind of it's squirm what, at it. Cairo and a first would be the highest I give you, and even then I'm like, eh, I yeah, don't know if I like that it. That seems high to me. Still, I think, and, and maybe you don't, and that's the point. Maybe you don't get him for that. That's if, and then don't get him is my point. Yeah, that's like, why I tweeted out. If that puts the kibosh on the trade, then I guess we're not getting Ryan O'Reilly, and I'm fine with that. Mm. I think people on Twitter or in blues internet media have just grabbed on to O'Reilly, and now that's that's just the name. Yeah, O'Reilly is now synonymous with like. Blues good. If you if we have O'Reilly, you want the Blues to be good. If you yes. don't have O'Reilly, you're crazy because what do you want from this team? And it's like that's not the only that's not the only path. There's, there's not just there one path. There are lots of contributing names in free agency, which we'll talk about in just a second. There are other players you could get via trade. I think Derek Broussard is probably available. Not as good as Ryan O'Reilly. Not going to cost as much as Ryan O'Reilly. Um, $3 million for one more year. Right. That's crazy low. Exactly. Could you get Derek Stefan out of Arizona? I think you probably could. You can fish anybody out of Arizona. I think you can get anybody out of Arizona, right? I mean, the the Canadians gave away Alex Galchenyuk for nothing and then said, hey, we need center. (laughs) It can happen. There There will be players that get moved this summer that nobody saw coming. Victor Rask out of Carolina. Supposedly on the way out, great young center. Not Ryan O'Reilly. Available. Will cost less. There are options. And if the price... Do not overpay for Ryan O'Reilly. To me, he's not the mold of player you overpay for. Mm -hmm. His skating is not there to be an elite center. And, you know, and this is all speculation. You can never really confirm this stuff, but... I don't think he's an especially good teammate. I don't think he's a toxic teammate, but I think, you know, kind of the mold maybe of a Dougie Hamilton where it's like he's quiet and keeps to himself and he's not a leader. I hate that. That burns me the wrong way. What? Oh, the whole Dougie Hamilton thing. That people care or that... No, I think it's I think it's good that people that you want to have a guy that's of character that like wants to hang around with the team uh-huh. and everything, and it makes sense as a team sport. It just bugs me that people throw a player media, not not you, but like media throwing people under the bus because no. they're like want to hang out on their own. Right. A whole different. Side, I don't like but. it either. Jordan shared a story with me about O'Reilly where they were on a road trip at one point, and I guess the guys went and watched a movie together, or maybe he was sharing it about Hamilton. I think it was O'Reilly because he was you know yeah. have, and they watched a movie together at a theater, and Ryan O'Reilly went to like a museum or whatever, and, like, people were upset about this, and mm-hmm. it was, like, covered in the media, and, like, that stuff is just stupid. Yeah. But you're right, though, that it, if you're making a big trade and for someone that costs so much money, and maybe it's just it's stuck in my head that centers need to be leaders, maybe it's because they're just, like, making the play yeah, around the them. Yeah. yeah, exactly, that if you got a guy that's not a big locker room guy, I would kind of be like, eh, I, that's, that's a factor in a trade. Especially if Robert Thomas is a great locker room guy, which it seems that he is, and his teams have won insane amounts. And I get that. I mean, Hamilton mortgaged like an entire draft to get him off 
uh, whatever team he was playing for before that. London, yeah. London, yeah. They mortgaged, like, their whole draft, and they won a, an OHL Cup because of that. You know, it's like, it's just, there are players that you don't give away. Yeah. And I don't give away Robert Thomas. I do not. For Ryan O'Reilly. I give away Robert Thomas for someone who is already what Robert Thomas is, could be at the highest heights. And Ryan O'Reilly isn't that. He just really isn't. That is all. I And go get Ryan O'Reilly. That's fine. I, just, <laughs> I know. It's weird. It's a hard line to walk because I, 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 I'm more concerned with not making it Thomas for O'Reilly than I am with getting Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. But I really, really like Ryan O'Reilly. Go read the article. <laughs> I love him. There's a lot to love. He's incredible. You're bipolar. Yeah, I am. I think that's yeah, it. He's incredible at face face-offs. I almost said but, Facebook. But you he's just really, said. <laughs> no, I mean, but yeah, he's incredible at face-offs. He takes no penalties, like literally none. He's a great defensive he's forward. Incredibly, you can play him on you can play him on the penalty kill, penalty, whatever the opposite penalty is. Play. Power play. It felt like a penalty play for us last year. <laughs> Certainly felt like a penalty. Uh, yeah. Step one: Don't trade Robert Thomas. <laughs> Step two, Brian O'Reilly. That's perfect. Yeah. That's great. Yes. That's the off-season plan. Step three, you know you're going to wake up in his bed in the morning. <laughs> and if you're traded for him, you you're ain't getting over him. him. <laughs> Do a leave everybody. Weekly <laughs> references. Take your shots for doing <laughs> the greatest musician of a generation i'm calling my shot the song the next beyonce <laughs> uh i wouldn't i i'll tell you what beyonce is still around i would not trade dua lipa for ariana grande i wouldn't do it ariana oh. grande oh is not Dua Lipa's ceiling she can be so much more than that that's a whole other conversation ariana grande is revelation Oh, she is great. She's wonderful. I'm I'm sorry. Step one, <laughs> keep Dua Lipa. Step two, trade for Ariana Grande. Yes, we've nailed it, folks. We've just solved all your blues and pop needs. Two music categories and a hockey team covered. Let's talk about unrestricted free agents, shall we, on this mm-hmm. omnibus of a podcast. <laughs> unrestricted free agents... Are a perfect solution for the blues because all you have to give them is money. And we've we got lots gift. of that. <laughs> Only if it's money. We've got lots of money. And tell us who we should spend it on, Jordan. Jordan, Ian, sorry. I'm My whoever God. you want me to be. <laughs> Let's talk about real quick. We've been linked to all the boringest options by Jeremy Rutherford. He's explicitly said, we've talked to Paul Stasny's camp a lot, and there's mutual interest. We've talked to of course there is. Pat Maroon's camp because he's local, and we've talked to Ryan Reeves' camp. I like to imagine those are the only three that <laughs> we've talked that picked to. up the phone I'd for like Doug I like to imagine Doug Armstrong has the most boringest solutions to every problem. But go ahead. Who are some okay, of the Okay, let's start with real exciting people that are not going to be for the Blues. There's John Tavares. Bye-bye. Straight out. He's a Dallas star. Yeah, Toronto, San Jose, New York Islanders, Tampa Bay, Boston, and Dallas. It's just weird to me that they're on the list. Weird enough that I'm kind of like, is it going to be Dallas? 
If they get Dallas, or if Dallas takes John Tavares, then they're trading Tyler Sagan. That's true. Right? Probably. Probably. Whatever. He's gone. Which He's is not then our like, concern. why are you doing it? Tyler Sagan is every bit as good as John Tavares and probably a little younger. And the locker room cancer. Uh, I'd, maybe. I'd take that cancer. <laughs> Give me that cancer all day. All day. Yeah. Where do you think he signs? Um, Islanders. Yeah, it's the Islanders. Boo, sure. hiss, Islanders, boring. Sharks, Stars. That's my top three. Mm. There's your favorite v- VR, JVR, James Van Riemsdyk. Virtual reality. Yeah. Not better than Trevor. Though. No, not better than his little brother, Trevor. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, 0.71 points per game over the last six years. Not too bad. His bread and butter is in front of the net on the power play, which is something we need both of those things of a better power play and a net front presence except that is it not just his bread and butter but also his poultry and his vegetables oh, it's everything his drink and so the next yeah. silverware so those are all the things about jvr <laughs> he scores some points a good amount of points they're all in the power play and after that he does nothing for you so is that worth paying five million dollars plus a year for? Oh, he this guy's this guy's getting paid getting seven six. million. Seven? Oh, for I sure. I am right out yeah. on James Van Vreem's day. He's. Then. I'm gonna say he's for sure making over six. Oh my. Okay. So tell so, me, tell me where James Van Reemstack signs. It's Montreal. It's gotta be Montreal. Oh. That's exactly the move. I'd say that's make. too bad for Toronto, but they don't care at this point. <laughs> they um, obviously don't. Anaheim. Next. Oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's hype. Let's pump the tires. Or that's like the weird co- uh, Chicago. Like this will work, right? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, by the way, I think Chicago is in full on. This will work, right? Mo- mode now. I'm really hoping Signing they fall down the ladder. Cam Ward as their backup goalie, which is not official yet, obviously, because it can't be. But the the scuttlebutt is that Cam Ward will be their goalie. And when Corey Crawford's vertigo comes back, he'll be their goalie goalie, and that'll be the solution. That is a this-will-work move to me. <laughs> Brought to you by Stan Bowman, <laughs> trying to recapture 2013 since 2017. What old player can he trade for? Do they still have Artem Anisimov, or can they get him back? <laughs> They still have him. <laughs> okay. They sure want him back. <laughs> Because he's not what he used to be. <laughs> um, Who's gone that they can pay an exorbitant amount? Oh, I thought I heard earlier that the uh, deal was that they wanted um, the other the other Carolina goalie. Scott, Scott Darling. Darling. Bring the Darling back. Not going to work. Give you Alex DeBrincat. Where's Kruger Darling. at? Do they want Kruger back? Do they Ooh. want TVR back? Oh, there you go. Uh, gross. Whatever, they can have all of them and just wallow in their own filth. <laughs> Speaking of our own filth, Paul Stasny. I think people are going to talk about Chicago like last year was an, anomal- an anomaly and that they're going to be contenders again, even if they don't do anything, and I'm going to laugh about that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. Paul well, Stasny. Well, I like my Paul Stasny joke anyways. Uh, sounds like the Jets are in on them hard. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> And to be fair, I keep saying, like, I would accept Paul Stasny back, but I'm telling you, the minute we re-sign Paul Stasny, I'm flipping a shit. I, I'm like, that'd be fine. And then when it happens, not fine at all. Um, I'm not taking that guy back for anything over $5.5 million. 
and he's not signing a contract with this team for anything over three years. No four years, no five point seven five million, none of that. Get out, Paul. We don't need you. I'm sorry. We're not we're not doing a Blackhawks. We're not taking a step back. Not one step back. Here's the thing. If uh-huh. Ryan O'Reilly doesn't happen, oh, no. and let's say Jim Botterill says Robert Thomas or it doesn't happen, and Doug Armstrong laps, latches on to the last shred of sanity, and he has and says no deal, Plan C is a thousand percent Paul Stasny. I know. <laughs> That's why it's so a sad. A thousand percent. He's the. I mean, to be fair to Armstrong, to be to be fair to Armstrong, he should just find a more creative solution than that. But, but to also be fair to Armstrong, there's nothing else. He's the easiest, safest, simplest solution. You know solution. exactly what you're getting, which ain't much, but you know what you're getting. Coming home, <laughs> coming home. Play like a dirge. Come <laughs> I'm coming home. Yeah, exactly. Have druids chanted. <laughs> Um, James Neal. Would you like James Neal? He's a left shooting I, left wing. No, I want I want James Neal, but a right shooting right wing. I want to know how cheap his shots are. James Neal, <laughs> in his career that started in 08, has not scored less than 20 goals every season. I think that's pretty impressive. I like James Neal a lot. I, I complain about us having too many left-handed shots, but we don't have a, enough good ones, so He sure. can replace Robbie Fabry when Robbie Fabry tears his tibia or whatever the <laughs> hell. <laughs> can you tear a bone? Yes. I think you I can. I think Robbie Fabry would find a way. <laughs> <laughs> he tore it in the ten pieces. <laughs> Tyler Bozak? Anyone? Anyone? Bo- Bozak. Horseman. Next, not interested. He's had one fifty plus point season. Tell us why we shouldn't season. be interested. There you go. And he's useless defensively. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Patrick Maroon. I'm I'm fine with Patrick Maroon as a third line ad, but the problem is if we sign <laughs> him, so we're giving him second line money and second line playing time, and I do not want. Is he a right handed shot? Oh God, if I know. <laughs> I don't, we'll find out. I don't we'll find think out. so. Find out for me. Um, Robin Leonard, we kind of covered. That would be interesting if we decide to either move on from Jake Allen or we decide to basically put another Jake Allen behind Jake Allen and have them compete <laughs> to see who's the most Jake Allen. I hear you like Jake Allen, so I put some Jake <laughs> Allen behind your Jake Allen so, so you can Allen my Allen. Robin Leonard's not quite as athletically gifted as Jake. He's an all right goalie. Um, they have eerily similar numbers in their career. They both have kind of a mental problem. <laughs> Jake Allen, I don't think, really believes in himself sometimes. He gets a little in his own head. Robin, Robin Leonard hears voices. <laughs> Robin Lanier wants to rip someone's throat out <laughs> when they step in his crease. And that can cause problems because people like to plant themselves there anyways. Patrick Maroon is, to no one's surprise, a left-handed shot left wing. I don't want any part of Patrick Maroon. Get out. Yep, I'm off that bus. So, there's a lot of... those. These are are the blues, you maroon. (laughs) Oh, no. We've been on the podcast too long, people. This is a horrible first episode for all the newcomers. (laughs) This, look, no, it's not. This is what you get. 
I'm sorry. This is what you signed up for. This is what you paid zero dollars for. Please come back. You can't say you overpaid. Here's That's the, what we always yeah. say at Two Guys Knock <laughs> Podcast. You can't say you overpaid. No proof of purchase. <laughs> um, you, what you hear is what you get in Two Guys No Cup. And we don't try and dice it any <laughs> no, other way. We don't doll it up. I, what I can we say... We will occasionally in, in, insert a sound bite. Oh, that's <laughs> about. Well, do or something, you know, just to keep things fresh. We'll, we'll put one right there. Um, <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, unless we forget. Unless we don't, which is kind of really just proving our point. This is what you get. Uh, <laughs> what I will say is we try every time. We do. We just like it. the blues. I don't think we it is. We spend so much time writing notes in preparation for the episode that we have no mental energy left to record the episode. We throw half of them out the window. Oh, that's true. I don't think the UFA class for us... Is all that great? I can see us signing one of these people to fill a spot, but again, we have so many bodies, and I don't know. It's a thing we I think we kind of overlook too is that well, Jake Allen's kind of issue, and we need more up front. The big problem we had last year too was scoring, and you kind of have to hope either a you get someone through UFA or a trade that can score or help score, or you kind of hope you know a Tage Thompson nets you. 15 goals this year or something like that you know what i mean i mean little things here and there to sort of help out i could see it i could see it being one of those years that we've had them in the past not recently though where the blues make like four signings on free agents day and you are excited by precisely none (laughs) of them you know there was that year where we signed like Derek Roy, Derek Roy, and like three other kind of nobodies, and you're like, okay. Like, remember how we signed Bo Bennett, and that was a thing people were supposed to care about? Like, some poor staffer at NHL.com <laughs> had to write an article explaining what the Blues had acquired in and signing why? Bo Bennett. Doug Armstrong says he sees a good two-way game. (laughs) Okay, Doug. I sure don't, but thank you, Doug. Um, I'm thinking, like we've talked about before, it's probably more likely to trade. We've talked about Ryan O'Reilly plenty. Artemi Panarin still a possibility. The rumor that Panarin only wanted to be traded to a large city were debunked earlier this week on Twitter. There was also some rumor that... They wanted to go to a large city because his His girl... His wife was a model. Was a model, yeah, three years ago. Yeah. And Which, wh- to be fair, I think if you're really gorgeous, you can probably just jump right back into modeling. Anyways. I don't think there's a lot of like I don't think there's like conditioning. A, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but can you still walk seven steps? Uh huh. You're Great. still gorgeous. You're hired. Um, Shocking, by the way, that an NHL player would have a gorgeous girlfriend or fiance. I never right? saw it coming. No, nope, I don't the, think he gets traded at all. This out of the drop dead blue. Yeah, I don't think a Panarin gets traded at all. This dra- I keep want to say trade deadline. This um. Not even draft day. UFA this summer, thing, July first. Yeah, there you Let go. Let me say more words. Define what this weekend this, is. Um, I think he's more of a trade deadline acquisition for somebody if the Blue Jackets aren't in the mix. Jeff Skinner is still out there. I'm kind of surprised he still is after the moves that the Hurricane have made. They might just not be hearing what they want in terms of a return. And then Max Pacioretty, who there was supposedly a sign and trade in place for L.A., Max Pacioretty didn't like the trade, and then he decided, you know what? My agent, who so happens to be the same agent as Tavares has, is not doing a good enough job representing me. Chopped him. And by that, I mean welcome, fired him. Welcome, Alan Walsh. 
Yeah, Alan Walsh, super agent Alan Walsh. Toes. Oh, yeah. Alan Walsh, such a significant agent that he has a blue check mark on Twitter. Yeah. People know who that guy is. Exactly. That's a real agent. Rumor is Patches wants to go to Florida. I don't know why. <laughs> like Florida, Florida, or Tampa, Florida, or does he not care? To be fair, I don't know. It's just I've Florida. heard no, but I've heard Florida, heard... Florida, which makes me think, huh? Florida, which also makes me think, you poor soul. I guess because he's American, so I yeah. guess he's from that area originally. So they put him in the team farthest. I mean, I guess Vancouver's technically farther, but they put him about as far from Florida. And, and further culturally than you oh, could yeah. possibly get away from Florida. So, yeah, I don't know why he wants to go there, but the asking price is still, you know, Montreal saying high. like a first and yada yada. One thing I want to say, because this podcast hasn't gone long enough, is we should also talk about asking price is not the same as price. If the asking price for Ryan O'Reilly is a first, a second, and a good prospect, no one has offered that because if they did, then Jim Bottero would have to say, okay, we accept. I traded him. (laughs) The asking price is where is the ridiculous, well, not ridiculous necessarily, but strategically high starting point that any selling agency is going to start with. Because that's how you barter, you know? If you go to a market where they barter for things and they're trying to sell you a Diet Coke, they are going to ask you to give them $15 for it, and then you say $0.15, cents, and then you meet it $1.50. But they, neither side just starts at an agreeable price. It would be much easier, but that's just not how it works. So when you see some of these asking prices, don't, like, flip out is my point. Botterill says, I want... Kairu and Thomas and Armstrong says, I hear you're saying Nikolai Craig Christensen <laughs> and Vladimir is here for you. <laughs> NKC baby. I like to imagine these are actually how these deals go down. He says, Bots baby. Uh, I got a deal for you. <laughs> he goes, Do not call me that. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> oh my god, that's wonderful. Armstrong picks up the phone and goes, Honey, <laughs> I've got a deal for you. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm out of that's it. That's out of UFAs. Excellent. We can wrap this up. One last comment I want to say in an interview with 101 ESPN this morning. Doug Armstrong talked about how Martin Brodeur, NHL Hall of Famer, has suggested to him, has sold him on the idea of bringing players to St. Louis to make them fall in love with it, which, to me, may indicate he's more open to rentals than he has been in the past. So keep that in mind. This has been a two-hour-long podcast. When you say to St. Louis, you mean... Artemi Panarin. (laughs) You mean they're taking them to Clayton Ledoux. Yes. Maybe like... Maybe like a, a Soulard for like, ooh, what's this? They uh, put a black bag Wildwood. over their head to escort them into the mills. Okay. <laughs> and they just get Where them on the I? ice. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's cool. Look, there's a pretzel stand over there. There's a team store. Now black bag back over your head. Let's go back. <laughs> now we're taking you to the airport, <laughs> which also you shouldn't look at either. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think, I mean, what I got from that conversation was talking about... I'll get players who maybe 
our near negotiation, mm. and I will convince them to stay here. That's nice. I think that's a good idea. we haven't historically lost a lot of players we wanted to keep. That's the thing. A lot of Brower, times, yeah. Well, he was here for a year. But Brower we did lose, but he was only here for a year. Bacchus, we didn't want to keep him for what he ultimately signed for. By the way, brilliant move, Doug Armstrong. <laughs> I don't think you will, like, hate, like, you know, go back and hate that he went to Boston, but I can always see him sort of coming out and be like, you know, if things had been done differently, I would have taken the one less year to stay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would say 93% chance David Backus plays in a blue sheet of form again. So Not what? on this contract. Can you imagine? He's a va- he's on the he's on the block. I'm not advocating necessarily for it. Do I would, it. I'd I probably be care. like, eh. But they, like, they, can you imagine? They two mil of that contract? Do it. Can Who you cares? <laughs> we talked about this already. Can you imagine? <laughs> can he come in here and not be the captain? Be the captain. <laughs> How does that work? I'm back, boys. Doug, <laughs> explain it to me. He, oh, I see you're still here. He carried two adorable puppies into the locker room and he'd say Alex these are for you and he'd hand them to them oh, no. and while Alex was <laughs> crying at their beauty he'd just sneak away rip the seat off the uniform stitch it onto his own and then Alex would look up and he'd never even know what happened you just gaslight Alex <laughs> Alex I've always been the captain <laughs> but David you left a note in my in my glove compartment that one time what? no <laughs> That was a rental car, Alex. Alex, Alex. That was a note from acclaimed fiction writer Thomas Penn. <laughs> and it's over. The podcast is over now. <laughs> you know how much uh, I hate that author. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for staying for two hours of insanity. Let's hope something happens this weekend because... It's going to be two hours of... Even crazier crap if nothing happens. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new, please stick around. We love you. Uh, Follow us at TwoGuysNoCov on Twitter. You've probably already done that. Subscribe on iTunes. Smash that like button. Do whatever you want. Peace out. Aloha.